Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. It's not easy to speak candidly about the challenges family members face as their parents age. Sons and daughters may be uncomfortable sharing their stories, worried that they're betraying a confidence or being disloyal to mom and dad. And often the parents themselves put up walls because they view family matters as private, not for public consumption. Well, my guest today comes to us from New York City, where he's worked for over 20 years in nonprofit fundraising and event production. Tim is the son of a father who has Parkinson's disease, and his mother has been caring for his dad in their house in Connecticut. And I should say, Tim is not his real name. We've changed it for the purpose of this interview in the spirit of that need for privacy that I just spoke of. So, Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Tell us what the situation is with your dad. Sure. Uh, My my father has had Parkinson's for probably about 10 years. Um, About 10 years ago, he was diagnosed, and uh, it's it's a progressive disease. He did pretty well for a few years. You know, there was definitely, you know, a slower progression of the disease in the early years, but I would say in the last, you know, one to two years, maybe the last year in particular, it has been a much more uh, rapid decline. So, uh, I'm sorry, and how old was your uh, dad when he was diagnosed? So he was about 65. Okay. So. Um, he's about 75 now. It was okay. shortly, at, he retired at 63, so it was shortly after retirement. After his um, retirement, okay. Yes. And, uh, you know, now he's 75. Um, my mother's his sole caregiver and uh, has been for, uh, for for the entire time, which I think was, was manageable in the beginning and has started to become um, unmanageable, which others see, maybe she doesn't see at this point. Um, but uh, in the last, you know, one year and a half in particular. And was she working full-time at all? She Was she working when your dad was diagnosed, and how did that affect her abilities to care for him? She was, but... It was fine in the early years. You know, she she worked a couple of years after he did, retired a little bit later than he did. But uh, the first years were, were fine. So her work didn't really affect that in those days. It was really, it's, uh, it's been more in recent years. Mm-hmm. And what was she doing for work? Uh, she was working in a medical clinic. Okay. You know, as, a, as a secretary. And your dad retired from what sort of work was he doing? Uh, he was an accountant. Okay. So now they're living in the house that you grew up in. And tell me about your relationship with them and how it's changed over the course of the past few years in particular, if, if at all. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it definitely has. You know, I'm I'm gay, so there was certainly, and not only that, I'm very independent and the oldest child. So I was definitely a little bit of the prodigal son. And from the time that I was 18, I've really tried to create distance 
from them. Distance. So I mm-hmm. went off, yeah, yeah, physical distance, mm-hmm. uh, which also translated into emotional distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really thought that I needed to establish myself, and you know, this is many, many years ago, so uh, being gay was not quite as accepted as it is now, so there was all of that that I needed to discover, which I then told them about later, et cetera, et cetera. You know, now everything is completely fine and out in the open, but one interesting thing, I think for me, dealing with the disease and sort of like, oh, I maybe need to spend more time there is, you know, I was really the one who put the distance between us all those years ago. So in a certain sense, you know, and, and, and so the expectations were not what they might be with my brothers or sisters who lived close by, who are there, you know, had been there sort of all the time. Um, not that we were ever estranged, but certainly I am physically with them much more now than I was in previous years. So that's been a shift, just even in expectations for them. Uh, I, I think in some way, and I'm, you know, this could be my own fantasy uh, in my mind, but I feel like because I am the oldest, you know, sometimes I'm able to make a little more progress with them than my brothers or sisters are in terms of talking to them about the changes that they might want to make. Again, this could be in my mind, but I sort of feel like sometimes a little more willing to listen mm-hmm. if and, I say something. And and uh, tell tell the listeners how old you are and how many sibs, siblings you have. Sure. Uh, I'm 50 years old and I have two sisters and a brother who are all younger. All younger. And do they all live near your folks? One sister and brother live very close by. Um, another sister lives about two hours away. But it's interesting because I live in New York City. Everyone feels like I live much farther away um, simply because, you know, sort of an urban to suburban uh, small town is a bigger leap than, you know, my sister who lives in another small town mm-hmm. and has a car and can get, you know, can get there a little more easily than I can without without having a car. So how often do you see your parents now? Right now, and I, I end up working a lot of weekends, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to go once a month, whereas previously it was once every four or five months. And what changed for you to want to go more often? You know, I, I think it was just worry. And I think it was, part of it was that um, I, I didn't feel, and none of my siblings felt that my parents were getting the help that they needed to get. Um, and so I originally thought, well, I'll just tell them, you know, what to do. And tried, and, you know, nothing changed. What sort of help did you think they needed? Uh, I think particularly some some in-home help because, uh, you know, a health aid at least a couple of times a week. I mean, that was the main thing. Mm-hmm. I also uh, think that they should have someone to help clean because taking care of someone who is ill and who is in a wheelchair is, you know, and often collapses throughout the day mm. in various spots. Uh, my father has some other, other things. He has a, a bizarre low blood pressure condition that kind of happens sometimes and and if he if his blood pressure gets really low he essentially has to lay on any falls uh because he does not he wants to be independent so he's often walking around and then he gets up quickly his blood pressure goes down he collapses and then he has to lay on the floor for an hour um before his for his blood pressure to rise so um that's a a, it is they're not sure if it's related to the parkinson's or I, i don't no one quite understands where it's coming from but it is a condition and something to, to worry about. So uh, obviously that takes all of my mother's time. So, you know, just getting some help for her 
was really the main issue, just as uh, because there's no time for her to clean the house. You know, and when I visited, I, I thought, oh, you know what, it's going to be better if I can sort of approach things gradually. And I think because I have been somewhat absent, that by being there more often, we're just going to be able to have more organic conversations about things mm-hmm. as opposed to a phone call with this is what you should do or an email with this is what you should do. And also part of the reason I went is that I actually do a lot of work for them now. Uh, that's primarily what I do. And uh, What sort of work do you do? It's basically like being a teenager again. You know, I do the lawn, I trim the bushes, I clean out the gutters, I defrost the fridge, I clean the floor, clean the shower. You know, just household things that they really need help with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my my sense was for a couple of reasons. One is it was a very practical help for them and all needed to be done. And so that was good. And, you know, there's, I think they, they, you know, they have a sense of pride of how they were able to keep up the house in previous years that Mm -hmm. they're not able to do now. So I I think it kind of gave them a sense of normalcy, you know, and in my family, the way that you showed love was by what you did, not by what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the unspoken rule. It wasn't, we were not very verbal or verbose, mm-hmm. but it was very important to be there for each other and to do things. You know, as a kid, I would do, you know, do jobs for my grandmother. I would make sure that I was present. My parents were always at my baseball games. You know, it was very much about sort of being physically present and helping to make the Halloween costume, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it also, by doing those kinds of physical things, it was a way for me to demonstrate love and a way for them to accept love within our family culture. Mm-hmm. And when, so when did you go back, when did you start that up? When did you ramp that up? And was there a specific um, event re- that sort of triggered that, like, oh, my God, I have to get there and help them? I think it was just sort of getting there last summer and sort of being like, oh my gosh, things are a mess. I mean, to be to be quite honest, you know, there were papers all over the floor, and um, the every the yard looked a little wild. You know, it was almost as if I didn't. It wasn't a place that I recognized from a physical standpoint. And I was like, okay, things must be going downhill in a way that my mother is not sharing. You know, we growing up, we always had a kind of um, you know a joking relationship with our parents about some of their idiosyncrasies. You know, my mother was never a great housekeeper. And she, you know, she sort of knew that. So, you know, my first response was to maybe joke about it. And then my second response was like, oh, no, this is sort of beyond the normal kind of clutter. And maybe this isn't, it was just beyond what, what was what was normal. And then I thought, okay, I, I, I think something's going on here. And I need to help. I, I think, too, that there was a, there seemed to be, you know, there's two of them that live in the house. And what I did notice was that when I was there, we were I was able to, with both of them, sort of move things along in a way, just from a physical standpoint, you know, all right, well, let's take care of these papers. Let's, well, what do you want? Oh, well, okay, well, I'm just going to mow the lawn. All right, I'm just going to wash the floor. Um, and I think that it kind of took them out of the world that they're living in, which is about care. Um, and, and, I, and I thought that I was able to have an effect, even after one day. Um, you know, I mean, I think I exhausted them, but I think they were also grateful because we just we we were just able to push through some things that they wouldn't have normal, normally been able to do. Do you feel like this is going to change the amount of free time that you have? Do you see that as a long term thing? Now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, certainly, certainly carving out a, a space for it in my life in a way, and and maybe not doing some other things, but I think it's worth it. You know, I'm lucky in that I do have. 
you know, other other siblings, and it doesn't all fall to me. Certainly, for for me, you know, it sounds you know, it sounds in a way like, oh, I'm being a caregiver and helpful, and that is part of it. But it's also time for me to kind of experience our relationship, not as a 15-year-old adolescent who's trying to get away from his parents, but as a 50-year-old who can now appreciate uh, what what his parents did. And, and, you know, there's a lot of sort of forgiveness and a lot of, I guess, maturing of the relationship since we're all, you know, 50 years older than when I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's also for me to have that time. So it doesn't really feel like I'm giving something up to me. If, I, if it was every weekend, it might feel differently. But because there is a team of brothers and sisters, it doesn't quite feel that way. So how, how do you communicate with each other? Do you have a sort of regular system or is it sort of ad hoc and you rely on each other oh, to get true. in touch? Yeah, it's, it's more ad hoc and it's more, um, oh, I was... You know, again, some of them live close by, so two live close by, two live far away. So one of my sisters and I, when we go, it's for a weekend. And we're there for an extended period of time, all focused on my parents. The two that live nearby, you know, come by for an hour or so, but they come by more often. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a balance. I would say that the two of us that live further away tend to generate a lot of the communication, like, okay, I was there for two or three days, this is what happened, and this is what I'm noticing. And then we kind of all touch base. Uh But that's really great that you all are in touch with each other that way, because it's not always easy to get siblings to talk to each other. It's really good. Yeah, and and, and it may simply also be because each of us somehow kind of have defined different roles for ourselves. Uh, I mean, also, honestly, (laughs) probably the fact that I don't have a car, um, and I have to always be picked up at the train station by one of my <laughs> brothers or sisters, like forces us to have a conversation about well, what's going on. Uh-huh. Are your parents still managing a lot of things on their own, like finances? They're still doing most of it on their own, and they're still really managing the care on their own. The, the big sort of progress this summer has been that they have met with a uh, you know elder care expert who is you know the, the actually a home health aide is going to start this coming month a couple of days a week um, and mm-hmm. she really has she's a friend of a friend she seems to really be able to move things along uh, my parents are my mother in particular is of the generation where there is a great respect for the medical profession mm-hmm. you know well if a doctor or a medical expert or someone who has a master's degree tells me to do this then I should do it as opposed to my artsy son from New York tells me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I think she's she's been able to sort of give very logical, sort of medical and practical reasons why some changes would be would be good to, to bring into their lives. They met about uh, two months ago, and slowly things are happening. You know, I, I, I came. I, I think I, I came to it saying, "All right, well, these are you know, there's going to be all these big changes and." Things are going to transform, and as I felt resistance from them, for whatever reason, I felt like I had to step back and say, it's their life, and really what I want to do is to try to help them live it, of course, taking care of themselves, but also with as much personal dignity as they can have, as opposed to stepping in and saying, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. 
both of my parents are very stubborn in their own ways. And that, that did, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, and it did not feel like that was getting a good response. And it felt like a gentler approach with maybe some incremental change was the better one for them. They were, they were more responsive to that. Mm-hmm. That must've been hard for you to watch and frustrating. Not, yes. they're, they're not getting help. Yes. Although I think it frustrated my sisters more. Maybe it's because they are there more often. Mm-hmm. So with me, it, it, it definitely was frustrating. But at the same time, I, I'm also probably pretty frank with them. Like, this is what I think, and let's have this conversation, and then you decide. You know, it's still your life. I feel like I'm sort of able to, to let that go, even if I think that they're making maybe not the best decisions. Mm-hmm. So let's just kind of recap this for, for a second. So you, you, you worked for a bit of time to persuade them to get outside help, but they were resistant. Yes. And then a co-worker of your mother's reached out yes. to you. And to her. And to her. And um, this person worked in healthcare, so your mother was more likely to be open, receptive. Yes. Um, yes. Because she's a medical professional. And so then the former yes. co-worker persuaded your mother to meet with the elder care manager. And that meeting took place a couple of months ago, you said? Yes. Okay. Yes. And are they now on a plan where a home health aide comes to the house? Or is that yet to be implemented? That is going to be implemented in, uh, in a few weeks. Okay. So far, what the first thing was to have therapists for physical therapy and for occupational therapy start coming to the house. Uh-huh. And once those visits are done and those are coming to a close, then the health aid is going to start coming. I mean, it really was, I think just having a few new people into their routine and into the house was all that they could take. Any more disruption would have been too much for them. You know, right. They certainly are creatures of habit, sure. which maybe everyone is. But, uh, you know, they've lived in the same house for almost 50 years, mm-hmm. 47 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had followed routines throughout most of their lives. Mm-hmm. And so the people who came into the house were physical therapists and occupational therapists. And so yes. how did your parents react to that? That was a big deal to have someone come into the home. Yes. You know, I think for my father, my father also was never a talkative person. So, and of course now he talks even less. But from what I understand, I think actually for him it was okay because he was getting sort of care he needed. You have to do those exercises with with Parkinson's. Um, I think my mother said it was a little overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, she would be exhausted. Exhausted uh, emotionally? Because she wasn't really doing anything, right? I mean, I don't mean to be glib about it at all. but Yes, they're, they're Yankees. And that, you know, there's a certain amount of privacy that is part of that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or certainly was part of the culture, maybe maybe not so much for younger people now, but it really was, you know, well, you mind your own business, you know, <laughs> kind of, we'll find a way to manage. And I think it's a certain, you know, a pride and in wanting to, to manage, on your, manage on your own. Mm-hmm. And can you foresee yes. them staying in the house? You know, uh, that is in conversation, I would say. To be honest, I think that, we may have passed a point where certain decisions would have had to have been made. Things that even a couple of years ago could have been maybe been done to make it a little more comfortable. And I don't know that they could probably deal with all the chaos now of what of what physically changing their house would be. You know, at the same time, we, we have talked about an assisted living situation, but, uh, you know, nobody wants to think about it. 
However, they, they discussions have started. And really, I, I think probably thanks to the, the elder care manager who said, well, you know, you need to, what's a backup plan? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if the caregiver gets sick or if the caregiver, something happens to her, you know, who's going to take care of your husband? So even, even from that standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. And that was also, I think, a big reason why we wanted to get help was to take care of the caregiver because she is going to burn out. And what kind of health is your mom in? She has a number of sort of side issues, such as eczema, which I'm sure is connected to, I mean, she's had it her whole life, but is, is, is definitely exacerbated by stress and, uh, you know, and high blood pressure. Those are sort of her big things. But she's certainly, you know, in better shape than my father is. But, you know, should she be lifting a, you know, 150-pound man who has fallen to the floor? Should she be, you know, physically lifting him up? No. My gosh, you must be so concerned. Even just to hear that from me is just distressing. Yeah. No, it's very concerning. And again, that's sort of part of the getting someone else to just do that. The falling is actually one of the things that we are probably the most concerned about. Yeah. And then again, my, 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 my parents wouldn't appreciate this, but, um, you know, there are the comic conversations between them, comic slash you know, serious conversations where my mother will yell, you know, my father does something on his own, and my mother will say, all right, if you want to fall down and break your hip and go to the hospital, go ahead and walk. I can only pick you up so many times. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's those conversations. I can only uh, pick you up so many which, times. That's that's telling yeah. it like it is. You know, um, and, you know, I don't, they, they can have those. <laughs> you know, I don't involve myself in those, <laughs> in those arguments. Wow. So how long have they been married? 52 years. 52 years. Wow. Would any of you or your siblings ever consider moving in with your parents? We haven't raised it. I mean, I have certainly thought about it. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could go back to my hometown at this point and and live there. Uh, Of course I could, but we haven't at that point yet. So Mm -hmm. as you're you're asking me questions, you're, you're making me realize things that we have, you know, even we as the children, even though we are sort of trying to move things along, have not wanted to discuss or think about. I think a lot of people actually don't really want to think about these things and find themselves confronting them when their backs are against the wall. Yeah. And right. how, how, how big is the house that your parents live in? How many bedrooms are we talking about? Oh, it's three bedrooms. It's small. You know, it's okay. a 60s, uh, 60s sort of development house before everything became a mansion. And is it a large property? Because, you know, you get into issues of who's going to keep up the outside of the house. You've been mowing the right. lawn and right. that sort of thing. So right, uh, it's a half acre in a in a very classic suburb, I would say. But yes, the, the yard work is is you know, and surprisingly that is what what I've been doing. As a matter of fact, I, I trimmed the bushes both of the last two cellars that per, you know on my father's request, and I, I literally hadn't done it since I was probably seventeen years old. Um, so you know, it's thirty years later, and they still have the exact same hedge trimmer. Um, oh. from nineteen seven from nineteen seventy two. But they were um, so. You know, exactly. And I'm like, well, I can't, you still have this hedge trimmer that, that had the broken, you know, side thing. He's like, well, it works fine, don't you think? Okay. So I was like, okay, if something old works, even if it's from 1969, you know, there's no need to replace it. They're very practical. It's a different, practical. yes, That's they're the very, very practical. practical. Yankee spirit. Yep. Does your mom talk about her own exhaustion or how she's feeling around all this? She certainly doesn't talk to the kids about it very much. She tends to explode, hmm. supposed to talk about it. You know, she's fine, she's fine, she's fine. And then there's an explosion. I can't take it anymore, blah, 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 blah. 
and certificate area. That's kind of the pattern. And then do you get a you call, know, or how do you know about that? It's more when I'm there. If things are not good, there's silence. If it, my mother's a big emailer, actually, mm-hmm. and, and she, she likes to email sort of after my father has fallen asleep later at night. But I often won't hear from her if things are not going well, if, if they're having bad days. I will often hear from her on the good days. It's easier to have conversations when I'm there in person. That's mm-hmm. the other thing, a part of the reason I've been going more often. So uh, does she have someone else that she can talk to about it regularly? I, don't, I think I wish she did. Does she get regular medical checkups for herself? Yes. That's good. Yeah. No, like I said, she's fascinated by healthcare, and she literally, you know, goes on the internet and reads up on, a, on every possible disease and different medications. But I think particularly she enjoys the, you know, the blogs where people who, uh, you know, someone writes a question and says, you know, this is something that I'm experiencing, and other people chime in and say, this is how we dealt with it, or try this medication, or you know, whatever it is. I think she really enjoys those. They've become a kind of, you know, support for her. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you what, uh, looking back now, what, is there any way that you wish you could have prepared for this or had, had tools at your disposal? I wish that, you know, I, I wish I sort of had the foresight to maybe start planting seeds earlier, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I certainly wish that I had known going in that I was going to need to have a lot of patience and that I was going to be generous with my patients uh, toward, toward my parents. But I wish that I had sort of maybe started conversations a little bit earlier now, knowing how long it takes to get answers so that it, so that it wouldn't have to. And I guess, that you know, now it's part of, that. that's even part of the process now, just trying to plant seeds so that hopefully if something really bad does happen, as much as possible has been thought of and done beforehand. I, you know, I wish I'd started that earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, you're in there now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it sounds, too, like your relationship with your parents has, has changed a lot for the good, would you say? Yeah, I think probably for the good. Um, you know, I'm still adjusting to being around more, and it's somewhat shocking to me sort of literally seeing them as older people, and particularly my father, because he is smaller than he was, you know, he shuffled and is in a wheelchair. You know, when I pick him up, he doesn't feel like he did. You know, there's a certain amount of just adjustment to, oh, these people that were always my caregivers, and even as an adult, you know, then I had my own feelings of of them as caregivers, and sometimes that was appreciation, and sometimes that was resentment, and sometimes, you know, all those things that you feel as a child, all of a sudden going like, oh, that's not who they are anymore. And so I I can almost feel myself take a a breath as I see them and go, oh, right, I'm not going back to this place where that I that I grew up in this is a different place now because they are diff- literally different people so there's still that adjustment for me and like I said I think that a lot of the adjustment has come from sort of letting go of my expectations of them you know that they should do this and they should do that I'm just, I have to accept them for exactly. for who they are and what they can do yes instead of wishing that they were different or wishing that they were more like me or um, wishing that they were stronger, or wishing that they would do certain things. And that changes the relationship, I think. I think so too, but it's very philosophical. I mean, you know, when your parents get older, you have to grow up yourself if you're seeing them as real people. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it's 
it's for me, it's it, what it feels like. It's uh, giving up a lot of old history, you know, particularly around my father, because we had a rough growing up and, uh, I just have to give up all that, you know, whatever residual anger there is 40 years later uh, or 30 years later, I just have to give it all. And it's hard because it does rear its head, but I just have to sort of give that up and say, you know, you're, you're, not, the, you're not the weak child anymore. You're actually the person who has to try to help the situation. If I get caught up in my old narrative of who I was and what I was mad about that happened in 1976, <laughs> you know, between my father and I, it's not helpful. For either of us. So it really is like letting go of all of that stuff mm-hmm. to be able to move forward and try to be as caring and, you know, as loving as I am able to be. Mm-hmm. But that's empowering for you, too, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it's, and, and it's actually, emo- you know, it's pretty emotional. Not when mm-hmm. I'm there, mm-hmm. but I'm always a little, when I get home, I'm always a little shaken. Mm-hmm. Does it make you think about how you're going to handle your own getting older? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Are you going to be yes. preparing in ways that you hadn't really thought about needing to prepare after seeing, not that you don't have Parkinson's, I know, but seeing your parents age, has that has that You know, again, you? I guess I would say I have become more of a fan of assisted suicide huh. by watching this. Mm-hmm. Again, if I'm, if I'm alone, you know, being single, if I'm alone and I really get a debilitating disease, I'm not sure that I want to go through it. I, of course, I might change my mind uh, when when it actually happens. Well, let's just you know, talk about it in terms of you're not having a debilitating disease. Just in the general terms of preparing for your older life, getting a, a living will in place, just thinking about what you want your future to look like. In the best right. of all, I mean, I have all of that. I mean, I have retirement planning. I have a living will. I have all of those things. The specifics of what it would look like, I have not thought of. Other than knowing, again, uh, things could change and I could end up not being single, other than knowing that it's probably going to have to be, uh, you know, something that I incorporate into my thinking as I get older um, and as I see what my health is, you know, certainly I would be open to a being in some sort of a community setting because I do think that that can be helpful to have other people that are in the same situation that you are as opposed to living by myself Mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. but you know who who knows what i will what i will think when i when i get to be that age mm-hmm. well you have been very generous with your time tim and i just want to ask you if there is anything else that you'd like to add as a takeaway um i guess the only thing would be you know as you as you approach it know that you will be surprised know that your assumptions about your parents and your siblings and yourself are going to be turned somewhat upside down. That your, your assumptions as a you know, child, oh, this is how my mother reacts, this is how my father reacts, this is how my sister reacts, this is the way it's going to play out. It, it's not what you expect. So, so just sort of go in being ready to be surprised and being ready to change your ideas of how you have to approach things because it will probably be different. That's a great takeaway. Okay, well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate your being on this call and your willingness to be open about what you're going through with your your family. Sure. Take care. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. 
Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can email me at Jana at AgeWise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z, or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at AgeWise.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast and download any episodes for free at iTunes. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. Until then, age well, age wise.